when you were a kid, did you have a favorite toy? My favorite toy, can you guess what it was? Legos. Okay, for, now for some of you who are younger, Legos used to come in squares. You know, now Legos come in every shape and size. And uh, But when I was a kid, they just came in squares of different sizes, and you had to actually, like, create your own thing out of Legos. Now it comes like, you know, the... the you know, all the Star Wars Legos and you, you build the models. But when, when Legos were around when I was a kid, there were just a few pictures on the box and otherwise you pretty much had to come up with your own game plan. So I remember I, I had these Legos. In fact, I still have these Legos. They are in my basement. They are locked in a file cabinet that I've lost the key to. So they are forever safe. I don't know what I'm ever going to do with these Legos. Luke never played with them. He played with the, the newer kind of Legos. But uh, I love to play with those. I build, uh, airplane was my favorite thing to build. I build this little airplane. And sometimes I build a lighthouse. And I would, you know, it, it would alternate red and white stripes. And I would see how tall I could make this lighthouse. But I loved to play with Legos because I like to build things. I just do. I'm not much of a handyman and I'm not much of a builder, but I like to try. I've always wanted to build my own house. I just thought that sounded like a lot of fun. I've never had that opportunity to build my own house. So last time when we bought a house, we bought a fixer-upper, kind of, and uh, that, that needed some updating. And so I have been building on the inside, not on the outside, but have been building on the inside because I like to build things. Now, growing up as a pastor's kid and growing up in the church, I did have the opportunity on a couple of occasions not to build a house, but to see the church build a church building, which was always a lot of fun to me because my dad was a pastor and he had the keys. And so when the building's getting built, he could sneak us in and we could look around and see how things were going. In South Bend, we actually built a couple different buildings and uh, we had uh, uh, been located on a small piece of property and we relocated about five miles away and uh, to a nice piece of property and built this brand new building. And I remember that going up, how fun that was and going in every time and looking to see the progress that had been made and and uh, the, the beams were going up and as the, the walls were finished. And then uh, later on, built another building there on that campus too, and enjoyed building those church buildings. But Jesus talked about building churches as well. In fact, we had Barb and Braden last week, if you're here, for the 150 celebration. It was a great Sunday. It wasn't a great weekend, actually. And appreciate, again, I want to mention that everybody who had something to do with that. Uh, you were awesome. You made it rock, and I really, really do appreciate it. But Barb and Braden read our scripture from our original pulpit Bible, we think, from Waterford Community Church. And they read from Matthew 16, 18, which said, You are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. So Jesus was into building churches too, but not so much building buildings. He was into building churches. And sometimes we get that a little bit confused that a church is the building and a church is really not the building. The church is the people who come and sit in the building. And actually when the first church got built, there was no building. There was a church building. It was just a group of people. But he said, I want to build my church. Well, we've been in this together series. And I was intending to be done last week, you know, with the 150 celebration. That was going to be the final uh, message of that series. And as I looked at it, I just realized something. We talked last week a little bit of like up to November 10th, 2019, and we stopped. And the church is going to keep right on going. And we talked a little bit about what the next 150 looks like. But I want to continue on that theme and really drill down on that this morning and talk about what does it look like to build the church as we go into the future. Well, Jesus wasn't the only one to talk about that. 
Paul actually talked about it as well. And he mentions this in Ephesians chapter 2. So I want to encourage you to go to Ephesians chapter 2. You can look it up in your Bible. You can look it up in, in your phone. You know, we used to, we used to learn the books of the Bible, you know, like Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, or, you know, you get to Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. I was just thinking about this with the phone. It's kind of like, you know, um, Facebook, Instagram, Ephesians, you know, that's kind of how it's all laid out now. But anyhow, if you get to Ephesians, we want to look at chapter two and talk about this idea this morning. How do you build a church? How do you build a church? Paul writes to the, the Ephesian church, the, the people who lived in the town of Ephesus, and, and they were special people to Paul. Paul actually helped launch this church on his second missionary journey. On his third missionary journey, he stopped back by to see how they were doing and then spent three full years there. And so he was pretty connected to this church. When he writes this letter, though, that we're reading here in Ephesians, He's in jail now, and he's writing back to them. And as Paul writes letters to some of the different churches, a lot of the times he addresses issues and problems that the churches are having. When he writes to the church in Ephesus, he doesn't really address anything in particular. He more just sends along this letter of encouragement. And so as we jump into this passage here, Paul's encouraging the Ephesus church to be all that it can be. And that's what I'd like to do this morning, is to encourage Waterford Community Church. How can we be all that we can be? And Paul gives us a few ideas here. And I'd like to read this this morning. And it's interesting, he uses this idea of building, but he also introduces a different word that I want to pull from this morning as we go, because I think it gives us a better visual of what this is all about. So would you read with me Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. And he's simply pointing out in this verse that this church is made up of a diverse group of people, specifically Jews who had grown up in this faith tradition of knowing God, but also Gentiles who through Jesus Christ have been included in the family. And he says, "I'm, I'm talking to all of you. He says, you've been built on the foundations, verse number 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone, which fits with that Matthew 16, 18, right? Upon this rock, I will build my church, and the cornerstone is that the first stone that you lay when you're building a building there. And then he says this in the next verse. In him, the whole building is joined together, and notice this word, rises, to become a holy temple in the Lord. And Paul is saying here, here's how the church is built, or here's how the church rises. And I don't know if you remember, we showed some pictures up on the screen last uh, last week of some of the early years, but there was a picture of this building with just the beams in place in the wintertime. You could see the snow on the on the pad. But but you see that idea of a, of a building rising, and sometimes you see those time-elapsed photos where they speed it up and you see something built real fast. This is the picture that I get when, when Paul's talking here, he says, and the church rises. And so that's what we want to talk about. How do we rise together as a church? How does the church rise? And he goes on there in verse number 22, he says, and in, in him you are being built together, to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. So, I want to take this passage apart because there's four things that Paul talks about here 
that is necessary, that are necessary if the church is to rise. And to help us understand that, and to have a little bit more fun, and to relive my childhood a little bit, we're going back to the Legos, alright? So here's the first thing. The church that rises pursues inclusion, diversity, and growth. And you can look in cha- uh, verse number 19 there. It says, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but you're fellow citizens of God. You've all come from backgrounds all over the place. Some of you are Jews. Some of you are Gentiles. Probably some of them grew up in Ephesus. Probably some of them had moved to town when they were later. Some of them would have been older. Some of them would have been younger. But it would have been this diverse group here. But he says, you are all included. You're not foreigners. You're not strangers. You are fellow citizens. And that's a cool thing about the church. Is it's all shapes and all sizes, but everybody's included. And everybody is invited in. And everybody's supposed to be a part of that. And it's a little bit, as we look at these blocks here, you know, you have red ones that have, you know, that are three-ers, and you have yellow ones that are two-ers. There's probably a more, you know, a better name than three-ers and two-ers, but that's what we're going with today. But we have all these different, but it represents us. Because we all come here, and we all look different. We're shapes and different sizes, and we're all part of this thing called the church. And we're all included, and we're all important. And everybody who's here is important, but everybody who's not here and everybody who's outside of the walls, who's a foreigner and a stranger, the idea is that they become a fellow church person too. And as a church, we're constantly looking to say, who can we include here? So it's inclusion with diversity though. We come in these various shapes and sizes. We come with different backgrounds. We come with different viewpoints. We come with different personalities. We come with different gifts and experiences. But we all come together to be part of this thing called the church. And so I love it because we have these, and they can represent the different people who actually make up the church. This person even came with wheels. So, um, But it's not just that we come together, it's that we grow together. And we have a purpose in coming together. And so, wrapped up in that little verse right there is this idea that we're supposed to be growing and that we're supposed to be constantly adding to the body. We're supposed to be getting bigger. We're supposed to be getting stronger. We're supposed to be getting more effective. We're supposed to be becoming more of what Christ wants us to be. And this is the mission of the church. The mission of the church is that we recognize that we were once on the outside and somebody shared the good news of Jesus Christ and we got invited to the inside and we're now on the inside, but we're constantly cognizant of people around the outside saying, how can we invite them in? How can they experience what we've experienced in Jesus Christ? How can we share with them the idea that they matter to God and that they're important to Him? And this is the mission of the church. And so that's the first thing. We pursue inclusion and growth. But secondly, we commit to what we would call legacy faith. Verse number 20, we're built on the foundation of the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. And so let's get to the end of that verse. When we build a building, we do this more ceremoniously, I guess, nowadays. In fact, if you come in the front door of the building, there's a cornerstone there, and we didn't actually build on the cornerstone. It's more of a decorative, uh, commemorative piece that we put there. But when 
Paul's talking here, they would start with one block and say, we're going to start right here. That would determine the square of the building, and that would be the first piece, and everything would get built from there. And so what he's actually saying is Jesus Christ is that cornerstone. And he goes first. And then we have the apostles that come along. Peter, James, John. Paul would have been one of these apostles. And we build there. And then he says the prophets. And these are talking about New Testament prophets, not Old Testament prophets. But another one that would come along, and we start to see the foundation of this building built. But he says they came, and then the next generation came. And so we build like this. And the next generation, or, or and the next person comes, and we build again, and we build on these people that are so important here. And this is what we call legacy faith. One layer is built on the previous layer. It starts with the cornerstone, apostles, prophets, but then it keeps going, and it continues to build, and it continues to grow, and it continues to go up. This is the idea of legacy faith that one generation leads to the next which leads to the next. And this is how the church is supposed to work. And we got a picture of this last week when we explored and celebrated 150 years. It was interesting to me. A lot of that was just interesting to me to hear and to learn because I don't have a ton of, you know, I don't have 150 years of history of the church. And so there were stories that were told. There were people that I met. I'm like, I don't know who these people are. But you know what they were? They are one of the layers of this church who may have been here 50 years ago, and they built, and because they built, we come along behind them, and we get to build on top of them. And so a church that's a legacy church is always focused on who comes after me. Or I would say it this way, who will be built on top of me? And so we keep building, realizing that it's the generation that follows that's so important. Now, just a few thoughts with that. First of all, that means that family is going to be super important because the easiest place and the best place to start with this generational idea is right in your own home. And we we say this a lot, that the home should be the face center of your family because we want to see this built up. And so that's why we commit to that as parents. That also means, though, that we're going to defer to people who may be younger or younger in their faith. Because I'm right here, but I'm concerned that this thing gets built up, so I'm going to make sure that I make my decisions based on what's going to be best for the next layer there. And I appreciate that. I hear this many times uh, from people in our church, too. It's like, you know what? I'm concerned about the people coming after me. We have a, a growing young team right now that we're working on is how do we pass this church on continuously to younger generations. It's all part of this legacy faith. And it's this idea that others are depending on me for their faith. So your faith, whatever it happens to be, somebody else will be coming along and building on your faith. What type of not just foundation, but what type of structure are you engaged in and a part of that allows us to build. That's what legacy faith is. Now, this is interesting to me, though. When you look at most organizations, they have an org chart. And we always identify in the org chart, what is the first person we do? We, we find the CEO or the, the top officer or the chairman of the board or whatever the position is. And where do we put them on the org chart? 
the very top, right? And then we put the next level down, and then we put the next level down, and then we put the next level down. This is the org chart of the church right there. Where's the top of the church? At the bottom. And this is the structure of the church. That we, as we grow in our faith, we continue to drill down and to make ourselves the foundation, which nobody usually sees the foundation. The foundation of this building you've never seen. Unless you were here when I got built. But it's there And it's not about visibility or prominence. It's about support and it's about holding up. And as we grow in our faith and as we grow in this understanding of the church, as we grow in maturity, we understand that our role is to get under and left. And that's how the church is structured. It's never a race to the top. It's always a race to the bottom. And that's hard. But if we do that, then we start to get this idea of legacy faith. See, legacy faith is not something we pass down, but it's someone that we hold up. Who do you know that's a better Christ follower because they know you? That's what legacy faith is. And this is what the structure of the church actually looks like. And we keep reading here. It says in verse number 21, In Him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. The third thing that we see here is that a church that rises gives people the opportunity to be a part in accord with who they actually are. So it gives people an opportunity accord with who they actually are because we are all different. We all bring something different to the table. And so we need the blue blocks and we need the yellow blocks. We need the three blocks sometimes, right? And we also need the the one blocks because each one of us is important. Now sometimes we think, well, this is talking about spiritual gifts and spiritual gifts are part of that. But it's also talking about your passions. You know, if you have a passion for, for kids or maybe you have a passion for prayer, that's part of it too where you start to say, this is who I am I'm a prayer person. I'm, I'm going to be part of the church and really contribute in this way. Or sometimes it's like, these are the experiences that I've had. Maybe I wouldn't even pick these experiences, but I've gone through these things. I'm going to take these experiences that I've had, and I'm going to be part of this, and I'm going to build with what I've been given and what I've gone through and what has been my lot. But the Greek word here where it says, the, the verse 21, joined together, it actually means this, skillfully put together. And the idea is that Jesus Christ, as He builds His church, takes each one of us individually and says, oh, this is what you have to give. You're really important here. We're, we're going to put you right here in what's going on in this church. And so it's about our gifts, it's about our experiences, but it's also about our responsibilities, it's about our opportunities. We've just spent this fall uh, talking about how we need to come together as a church. Churches don't grow individually, they grow collectively. And we've talked about these themes, and let me just do a little review here this morning. We've talked about coming together. Well, this is how a church works, we come together, right? And if somebody doesn't come together... We end up building in a situation like that. It becomes a little bit precarious because there's something missing there. And so it's important that we come together because when we do that, there are other people that are depending on us. 
There are some people that came this morning, some of you came this morning because you needed the encouragement that somebody else was going to give you. Some of you came this morning because you needed to hear somebody pray for you. Some of you need to came this morning just because you needed somebody to recognize you. Some of you came looking for a hug this morning. That's okay. Because this is how the church works. We come together. We're skillfully joined together, and it's important that we gather. We serve together. We value others as important. as part of like going down right there to, to the foundational level. We grow together. Because as I grow, that helps everybody else grow. We pray together. We give together. We resist together. Mark talked about that a couple weeks. But we make this a joint thing where we say, you know what, I have a responsibility here. And when I don't show up or when I don't perform or when I don't use the gifts that God's given me or I don't take these experiences, passions and make anything out of them, the church actually suffers because it doesn't get built up the way that it's supposed to get built up. So really these things that we've talked about here this fall describe a healthy church. A healthy church is a church that comes together and they serve together and they pray together and they go together and they give together and they stand together. This is how the church gets built up. And this is what we would call the strategy of the church. So the mission of the church is to bring the outside to the inside. The structure is to build on Jesus and to keep working down and holding others up. The strategy is to do this thing together. But there's one last thing that's super important, and it comes up in that last verse that we looked at this morning. That is the power of the church. The power of the church is in the Holy Spirit, and the churches that the church that rises needs to depend on the Holy Spirit. Reading the back part of verse number 21, it says, Rises to become a holy temple in the Lord, and in Him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by the Spirit. Now that verse, I think, requires a little bit of unpacking here because it sounds like we're talking about a church building. And I've already said that we're not talking about a church building because we're talking about a temple. And even when Jesus was on the, you know, on earth walking as a man, he visited the temple and it was very specific a place. But it was the place that represented the presence of God. And so the temple was there and that was where God dwelled. Well, as New Testament followers of Christ were told that God no longer dwells in the temple, as it were, He dwells in the temple that we are. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside us, and we are actually the temple now. So you don't have to go to the temple to worship. Right where you are, you have the Holy Spirit. The presence of God is in you. That's the idea here. But there's an interesting thing then about this passage. Because he says, as you, verse number 22, as you come together, the temple is built. So that means that we are temples individually. The Spirit of God inhabits us. But as we come together, the temple is built up. That means that as we gather, the presence of the Holy Spirit, I don't know that I would say it gets more, but the presence of the and the power of the Holy Spirit is intensified. And the fact that we come together this morning intensifies what the Holy Spirit is about. 
God's Spirit is here in us individually, but He's here as we gather collectively. And as we gather collectively, the supernatural takes place. And we see the church built up, and we see more people added to the church, and we see things happen in the church that we can't even explain. Say, well, and, and we hear stories sometimes. And I've heard some of your stories, and there's people here that are sitting here this morning like, you really shouldn't be here. Other than the fact that God's Spirit was engaged with God's people, and somehow that led to a supernatural thing that took place, and sure enough, the church gets built up here. And so this is the power of the church. It's not what we do individually. It's what the Holy Spirit does through us where we see people reached and where we see people grown in their faith. This is why churches rise. But not every church rises. And some churches rise and they, and they fall in the hope that they rise again. And the reason for any of that is because of these four principles right here. Maybe there are some other factors that are involved. We talked last week a little bit um, as part of the celebration, just that the church in the past had gone through some difficult times. And it was interesting to me how many people afterwards said, you know what, we really appreciated that being mentioned. Because we appreciate where God's brought us through and where God's brought us to. But I want to just, after hearing those comments, just say, you know what, let's make sure that we don't go through that again. And we can do that. Because we can go back and we can look at these four basic concepts that are laid out here and say, you know what? We're going to be about these things and we're going to be the church that rises together. So how does, how, how does that happen? That means that we don't forget the mission. With anything else going on in church, we need to remember that we are about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with people who have never heard that. That's it. And if we lose sight of that, we're going to be in trouble as a church. If we're going to be the church that rises, we lean into that and say, let's not get so... And sometimes it's really easy to make church about yourself. Or it makes church really easy about the people who gather here all the time. But that's really not at the core of what the church is about. It's about reaching them. Jesus said that the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. We need to go back to the mission. We need to make sure that we never lose sight of whose church it is. It's not my church. You know, we, we laugh sometimes, I'll get together with some of the pastors here in Waterford, and we'll talk about Rick's church, or Peter's church, or, or Mike's church. That's a big lie. It's not their church. It's Jesus' church. He's the cornerstone. And sometimes we forget whose church it is, and we make it our church, and we talk about ownership, and I'm all for ownership, right? Everybody needs to, to plug in here. But it's Jesus' church. It's not my church. And that means sometimes that I'm going to have to give up what I think or I might have to, I might have to sacrifice something for somebody else because it's his church, not my church. And then to take it a step further, it should be a legacy church, right? If I'm on this level right here, I need to be worried about everybody up here, not about me on this level right here. And we can make that commitment to be that others oriented. We can also be a church that is committed to contributing. And this whole Together series has been about that. It's, it's just about vision or strategy, whatever you want to call it. How can we be the church God wants us to be? It sounds too simple, doesn't it? Come together, pray together, give together, go together. Okay, those sound too simple? 
But that's how God made it. Because He knew we were pretty simple people, I guess. But we can commit to those things. And then the last thing is to never overlook the Holy Spirit. I would say this too, never offend the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that we can offend the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 4, bitterness and anger and rage and negative speaking and gossip and those things can offend the Holy Spirit. Let's not go there. Let's be the church that rises. 150 years is now in the rearview mirror. It was a good time last weekend. It really was. It was a great chance to look back. But let's look forward. And let's be a church that continues to build because there are still people out here who need to know the good news of Jesus Christ. And there are still kids who live in our homes and grandkids that we're associated with who need to grow strong in their faith. And we need to continue to grow. So let's be about the mission and let's be about the cornerstone and let's be about the legacy and let's be about the commitment and let's be in tune with the Holy Spirit and let's be the church that rises together.